right, uh, we are back, and it is time for part four of our conference previews uh, with the officially the official adopted conference of Illegal Motion, the American. Um, I am handing off duties to Josh because I'm just too close to the situation at this point, and I I, I can't think rationally about most of these teams. So, uh, Josh, I'm going to hand over uh, the reins of the American to you. All righty. Well, first and foremost, this is probably once again the best group of five conference, and I have a sneaking suspicion they're much, much closer to the Big 12 than they are the Sun Belt. With that in mind, let's head east, and by east I mean south to South Florida. I have them winning the east. All starts with Quentin Flowers for me, do-it-all quarterback. He gets to operate behind a solid offensive line and a receiving group on defense. They return some nice pieces, including their linebacker, Augie Sanchez. If there's anything, if there's anything that prevents them from you know being the group of five representative in a New Year's Six Bowl or, or even sniffing around the playoffs, the rush defense has got to improve. Florida State, Navy, and Temple ran for over 900 combined yards against the Bulls last year. They also need to survive the back end of their schedule after Halloween and take on good teams in Cincinnati, Tulsa, and at Central Florida. And I still have them going 11-1, and 7-1 and one in the conference. Yeah, the, the, what I'm really interested here about South Florida is, uh, well, with Quentin Flowers, first of all, how long is it going to take for him and new offensive coordinator Sterling Gilbert to sort of get on the same page with each other? Um, Gilbert has been known in his career to be more of a pass-first guy, whereas obviously Flowers, while he can pass, he had 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns last year, um, still is a great, great running quarterback. He had more than 1,500 yards on the ground to go along with 18 scores. Um, and so with Flowers being a little bit more content to sort of tuck it and run than, uh, let's say Shane Bouchelle back at Texas, um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, the Bulls have to also replace their star running back, Marlon Mack. Not sure who's going to do it. Um, um, and they're also going to have to replace their leading receiver last year, Rodney Adams. You mentioned Augie Sanchez, a fantastic, fantastic linebacker. Um, but, and they've got veteran groups at both the defensive line and defensive back. But I'm, I, I'm curious to see how, uh, you know, Charlie Strong's right-hand man that he brought with him, um, the defensive coordinator and compadre, Brian, Brian Jean-Marie Le Pen, um, see if <laughs> they can get that, their uh, defensive front national uh, to uh, hold up to the onslaught that they will be facing in the East. Um, you know, and they've also got a great returner in Dearness Johnson. Um, he'll be in the mix for the starting running back role to replace Mac, but they, they've got some really good special teams there as well. Um, Josh, you mentioned the schedule. They're out of they're, their non-conference schedule is, um, you know, relatively easy. They're one power five team that they're playing is Illinois, which, uh, you know, when you not good by Illinois, but they are not good. Uh, they get uh, the dregs of the Mountain West, San Jose State, as well as FCS Stony Brook at home. So, well, you know, don't sleep on the Sea Wolves. Um, well, uh, I, I will sleep on the Sea Wolves, but. Um, Quentin Flowers, though, I'll spoil it now. He's my offense. He's going to be my offensive player of the year um, uh, for the for the conference. He's too good, and he he could be. He's a guy that could be um, 
uh, you know, in New York for uh, the Heisman Trophy final. Ooh, I like that. That's a bold prediction. Um, so moving on in the East, I will say this. Software is clearly the best team, but there's a bunch of high-ceiling teams that I think will be in bowl mixes. But they, I'm just not sure that they can, can catch the bowls. And the first of that is Temple, who I'm finishing second. I like their skill position group back. A wide receiver, Ventel Bryant, leads a group of the top four receivers back. Uh, Ryquel Anderson rushed for 900 yards a season ago. I expect him to uh, to up his game a little bit as well as the one-two punch. Uh, he was in the one-two punch with Jahan Thomas. That's why I think in a, now a feature role with Thomas uh, graduating, I think Anderson steps it up. Uh, there is a really nice kicking tandem. It's weird. They had two kickers, but both are really good. Uh, Aaron uh, Boomeri and Austin Jones combined for 52 of 53 on point afters, 25 of 29 on field goals, uh, with uh, Boomeri having a really big boot. He hit all five of his 40 to 49-yard attempts, so plenty of leg on him, but also accuracy from kind of a, a little bit longer range. If I'm worried about anything about Temple, though, Matt, it's just eight and a half sacks out of last year's total three turn. Uh, new coach Jeff Collins has never been a head man, and they need to break in a new quarterback. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be tough for them. I actually I, I think that uh, the runner up in the East is gonna be Cincinnati. Mm. Uh, Luke Fickle does not inherit a bear cupboard by any means. Um, they they they've still definitely got some talent on that Bearcat team. Uh, I, I really like what they're doing, recruiting as well. Um, the other team I, I like in the East is Central Florida. Scott Frost's second year. Um, you know, we remember what he was able to do um, with some of the, the offense at Oregon. We saw how they dropped off after he left. Um, but they are um, going to be, um, you know, I, I think that they are going to be a, a definite contender. Um, they, they should make some strides in him with his in, with his second season at the helm. But uh, speaking of head coaches, though, I just uh, I, I was reading reading up in the American found this tidbit. So obviously, Ken Niamatololo has been around much longer than all the other coaches. He's entering his ninth ninth or tenth season no, tenth season here at Navy. Sorry, um, no one else uh, in the conference has more than two years' experience at their current school. Mm. So. Um, I do not believe that any coaches from this conference will be fired this year. That's not to say there won't be any coaching turnover. Uh, There are some guys, uh, including Chad Morris, Jay Norvell, who could be in line for uh, some power five jobs. But I think that there is a, uh, there's a lot of really good young coaches here in the conference as well. Yeah. I mean, I think one of those good young coaches is second year, Scott Frost, And, you know, they made a bowl game a year ago after, and what, a dismal winless conference record the year before, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. But, you know, Scott, Scott Frost did a good job of rebuilding that team. I think he's a year away, but I still think they're another one of those high-ceiling teams that they get a couple of things go right, and they could sort of contend. I don't think they're ready to contend yet. I think they're still kind of that sleeper team that can give people some fits. But, you know, they have – a lot of questions, especially on the offensive line. They have some questions. Um, you know, they just have 
questions everywhere. I mean, they're replacing their entire uh, secondary. They're replacing pretty much their entire linebacking core. Offensively, they return nine starters, so they're in good shape there. Um, it's just a matter of those guys. You know, you have a sophomore running back, sophomore quarterback, you know, sophomore center. All you know, those three guys started as freshmen. You have, you have two juniors. You, know, you don't have a whole lot of seniors, so I, that's why I think they're a year away. But they're a team that has an extremely high ceiling because they get back. They're going to return all but two starters next year, unless unless one of these uh, tackles or tight ends leave early. But um, so they're going to be they're going to be a team we're going to talk about that's going to be scary good next year. But I think they're a year away. But they're intriguing because I think Scott Frost has done a tremendous job at building this team. Uh, their their key recruit. Actually, uh, if we're talking about a team that's been rebuilding, their key recruit is going to be Cordarian Richardson, running back out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Matt, you and I have uh, personally watched him on film. He's kind of one of those bigger, upright runners that just can just find the find a groove and just is very smooth running, running wise, and just almost kind of seems like he has like that low center of gravity, but doesn't run low. Just you can't really topple him over. So it's it's. Uh, They've got a lot of potential up there, uh, I say, down there in, uh, in Orlando. Yeah, it got Central Florida finishing fourth, though, personally. Um, I love their front seven, and I you know, I think linebacker Shaquan Griffin is one of the best stories. Those of you that don't know, um, this kid plays with just one hand. And last year he had 92 tackles, 11 and a half sacks, 20 tackles for loss, seven breakups, and a pick. I mean, he can do it all, and, I mean, like, I just can't imagine his work ethic to play at this high a level with a very obvious football handicap. Uh, the reason I'm not as high on Central Florida as you guys are is they have such a tough schedule. Um, they have crossover games with Memphis and at Navy. They've got tough non-conference games against Georgia Tech and at Maryland. Both of them are Power five teams that went bowling last year. So that's no cakewalk. To me, the actual sleeper is Cincinnati, who Matt had finished second. And the reason I like Cincinnati is they return a ton of receiving talent in it as they go to a up-tempo pass and attack. Um, Hayden Moore is an experienced quarterback. And they also have a really good receiving running back in Mike Boone, who had 20 catches last year, who will also help that transition to a new Pass attack. Their uh, offensive line returns some nice pieces. Their defensive tackles and Marquise Copeland and Cortez uh, Broughton really help that have a be a formidable front seven. Um, I, I think Cincinnati is a legit legit sleeper. They just need that offense to come together because the back end of their defense still doesn't look great. Their pass rush they only had 19 sacks a year ago and five came against Miami of Ohio, and three came against an FCS school. So you could see the uh, the production really tallied off, or really fell off after the non-conference. And then also, if you're looking at things to knock a team for, Cincinnati has an easy one. Uh, I hate to, to throw a kid out of the bus, but Josh Paisley struggled so much his first year as a starting kicker. He missed three-point afters, missed six field goals, and just five of ten from anywhere on the field beyond 30 yards. If they have any hope of, uh, you know, becoming a sleeper, knocking off South Florida, they need to get more from special teams. 
All right. Um, anything to uh, anything about East Carolina or Randy Edsel's non-triumphant return to UConn? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I got I got the Purple Pirates finishing fifth. They got a couple intriguing unknowns. Uh, Thomas Sirk, who was a really good quarterback at Duke, has transferred. It's unknown on how effective he'll be after rupturing his Achilles last year. On um, their defense is also changing looks, so that's kind of interesting. Um, if things work out. Maybe East Carolina shows some improvement, but I'm not holding my breath. And Connecticut, oof, way, way far back. If there's one positive they have in this offseason, it's Randy Edsel hiring defensive coordinator Billy Crocker. That was a huge get for him. Crocker built some fantastic defenses at FCS Villanova, but it's going to take a long time for the Huskies. That's a multi-year rebuild. All right, well, then let's check out the West. Yeah. Um, let's do it. I got Houston winning it. I know Houston came up just short last year, but they have tons of solid options to fill in through the holes of some really good players going. For instance, Greg Ward Jr. is gone, but they have transferred Kyle Allen. That's a really good option to fill in. They have some outstanding wide receivers, Linnell Bonner, and a solid running back, and Duke Catalan are both returning. And last year's amazing, amazing defense doesn't return all of their pieces, but leading tackler Matthew Adams and pass rushing stud Eric Oliver are still suiting up for the Cougars. I expect that to be another really good defense. There's one thing to nitpick about Houston. The offensive line cost them a shot at American Glory last year and an even outside chance at the CFB. Can they step up? That's the question that they need to answer for me. Um, and I have them winning both Power 5 matchups this year at Arizona and hosting Texas Tech. But that, that game against the Red Raiders, that's no cakewalk. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to counter your, your team here, Josh, and I'm going to say that the Memphis Tigers, mm. um, they had their entire offensive line coming back. They have Tony Pollard coming back at running back. Their quarterback, Riley Ferguson, they returned eight total stars on offense. Uh, he's got his two biggest targets, Anthony Miller and Phil Mayhew coming back. Um, I lied. They're, they're getting uh, – they're returning four out of five offensive linemen. They they replaced, le- they replaced their left tackle, but Harney Gildas, the junior, comes in with a little bit of experience. Uh, defensively, they are returning six starters. Uh, they have um, – only 11 of the team's 23 sacks came from the defensive line, so that's good. The linebacking core, um, again, will we'll, we'll lead the way here with uh, Curtis Aikens and Jannard Avery. Um, they have a star position, Austin Hall. He started as a freshman last year. And one of their cornerbacks who I've heard in camp, Matt, you may know this name, TJ Carter, is going to actually probably be starting for them at corner. He might actually be – on the freshman All-American team, um, mm. he is he is performing that well. And uh, it's impressive to see. I, I just think they have too much firepower coming back on offense. And I, I think they could, you know, they could make some huge noise. They have a favorable schedule. Uh, they have Navy at home. The only game that, I, the only game that scares me and the, the game that will probably be the de- decider in the division is their game at Houston on October 19th. Cool. Uh, their non-conference is UL Monroe. Uh, they have a Power 5 matchup against UCLA, which could be the beginning of the end for Jim Mora. Um, they play Southern <laughs> Illinois. They're at Georgia State. 
um, and then they uh, they play the rest of their their conference games. Man, coach, um, it's funny. I know I went with Houston, but I also I had Houston going eleven and one with either Tulsa or South Florida knocking them off seven and one in conference. I have Memphis with the exact same record, and in my notes I said that nine wins is a lot for this team. And I was curious what combo of UCLA, Houston, and Tulsa would get them to 10-plus wins. And I said tripping up the Bruins early at home with UCLA having to make that cross-country trip, and Tulsa seemed like the most likely. So I'm extremely high on Memphis as well. I know you addressed some of their defensive players, but I just I can't get over the fact that their defense wasn't championship caliber last year. Will it be this season? If they can answer that question, I can easily see them in the AAC title game. Well, I think they have, even though they only have six coming back, I, I think that they have guys coming back at key positions, and I think that's important. Um, you know, your two linebackers come back with a year of experience under their belt. Maybe, you know, maybe it was a, you know, brand-new coaching thing, and they, they, they had some things that went wrong that usually, does, that usually only goes wrong with rookie head coaches. You know, stuff like that it, – probably, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some factors like that involved. And, and uh, you know, a, a year later, coaches improve, players improve. You know, when you return that many starters, you, you have to be in pretty good shape. All right. Well, um, you know, uh, Tulsa, Navy, SMU, Tulane. Uh, um, anything else there in the West that interests you, Josh? Yeah, I actually have the West stacked. Um, I have all those teams – making bowl games outside of two lanes. So I kind of want to talk about each of them. I'll do it real briefly. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane, love them in the trenches. This is an incredible offensive line that returns four starters, including Chad Chandler Morris, an absolute stud at center. Don't be surprised to see him on an NFL roster. That's how good a center he is. Um, I know they've got a lot of offense and a lot of defense to fill in, but their line is so good that I just think they're going to be able to, to pound the rock again. I, I think Tulsa's still going to figure things out offensively. And, in fact, I'm so high on them. I have them going 9-3, and 6-2. and two. I really like this Tulsa team. Uh, Navy, I have going 8-4, and 5-3. and three. Um, the, the starts are low for this team, but the maturity is actually really high. They just have guys, you know, become upperclassmen working every day in camp, getting a lot of reps, you know, sneaking on the field and some blowouts, things like that. Uh, for instance, 10 of their 11 projected starters are all upperclassmen, and 78 leading tacklers are back on defense. So they might not be the huge star names like Keenan Reynolds, but this is still going to be another experienced team for the midshipmen. Um, I, I guess my biggest hesitation is – when, uh, when he came in because of injury, Zach Abbey, just he was too much of an adventure at quarterback for me. And he's got to show some improvement from his small sample size last season. Matt, I know you like Navy. What do you, what do you think of that? What are, your, uh, what are your teams that you love thanks to playing college football dynasties there? Yeah, I, I think this is the, the year that Navy takes a step back. Um, so, um, I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add here, um, on, uh, on the, on the West, quite frankly. Uh, I think that the uh, Tulsa Navy SMU all could be seven, eight win teams. Um, 
uh, Tulane, uh, Willie Fritz, the second year, they, you know, they're going to need to um, take some more steps forward. But um, who have you got for offensive and defensive player of the year? All right. Well, um, I, like I said, I love the Americans. So I just wanted to touch real quick before I answer that. Sorry, Matt. Uh, there's too much to talk about for the American. Uh, SMU, the Ponies, Cortland Sutton, a real deal at wide receiver. Lots of quarterback depth, including last year's starter Ben Hicks, the favorite to win the job again outside of camp. Uh, Josh Williams, a wonderful kicker. Um, they, so they got a lot of pieces. I expect them to be in the in a bowl game as well. Um, so Tulane is interesting. For a team that was as bad as they were last year, they actually did some really good things. They've got a solid secondary um, to lead this defense that was actually 31st in total yards last year. Uh, that 4-2-5 look will really help protect some newcomers, that linebacker, and, that D, uh, and keep this defense strong again. Uh, running back Dontrell Hilliard is a solid back if he has any off if he has any lanes, and that's the biggest issue for Tulane. That offensive line is a big mystery at this point for an option attack. That's not a very good sign. Schedule also does them no favors. Um, but to your question about the individual accolades, uh, my champs are South Florida over Houston. But player of the year is the same as yours, Matt Quentin Flowers. Uh, good honorable mention though Riley Ferguson up there at Memphis and a sleeper. I know the Heisman Trophy ceremony had a finalist as a wide receiver. So a sleeper for offensive player of the year in the American Cortland Sutton. He's really that good. My defensive player of the year, uh, I think it's going to either be Matthew Adams or Ed Oliver at Houston. Kind of depends on just who has a little bit better numbers. My coach of the year, Charlie Strong in his debut season winning the conference. A sleeper for me is Willie Fritz at Tulane, which sounds really weird, but if that offensive line can do anything, the Green Wave have an awesome defense returning. They could sneak into a bowl at around six, seven wins, and that might be enough for Willie Fritz to win Coach of the Year. Uh, I also agree with something you said earlier in the show, Matt, about the American probably not having any coaches fired. Um, but Scotty Montgomery at East Carolina had a really bad debut season, going just three and nine, one and seven. So his seat could get warm, even though he'll ultimately probably get a third year. All right. Well, I think that's going to pretty much do it for us here. Um, unless you got anything to add there, Coach? Well, I mean, I was going to agree. Uh, I was just kind of going to put a tiebreaker on Josh's defensive player of the year and say <laughs> um, Ed Oliver is going to take it away there. I think he's just going to be out and right outright the best defense player in this conference. He's going to wreak so much havoc. He's going to be the best NFL prospect in this conference at on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Quentin Flowers and the conference champion USF uh, Bulls. I think they're going to be a little bit too much for Memphis. Memphis uh, could struggle with them schematically, defensively. Um, they're just too much firepower, uh, which is what, what I think is going to be the difference in the conference championship year. Um, Quentin Flowers is going to uh, – is going to win the conference and therefore first year head coach Charlie Strong in his redemption year after being fired from Texas is going to win coach of the year. He's going to, he's going to point towards Austin and say, you know what, maybe I'm not a bad coach. (laughs) 
All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here. So um, on behalf of the coach, Corey Burton, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, this is the professor, Matt Perkins, saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Well, you know this, man. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.